We're finishing Galatians today. Wow. Okay. I don't know what we'll be doing next week if we're starting a new book yet or maybe going over... I've been been considering going over uh, soteriology, which is the doctrine of salvation, and how that actually works biblically because many of us have it wrong. Uh, not that I don't I don't believe the Lord is uh, docking us numbers off our account just because we get the order of it wrong. <laughs> I just would like to uh, thought maybe you know learn 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 a little bit on extra there, if you will. I guess. I, We'll see. We'll see what's going on. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so Galatians 6, uh, 11 through 18 today. This is Paul's summary, his benediction or blessing. And this is it. We've made it through another book. So that's fun. That's exciting. I get a whole other new notebook to put on my bookshelf of uh, notes and sermons there. So we've made it to the end here of this letter to the Galatians. And Paul has laid out. Uh, many, many things here, including the doctrine of justification by faith alone. And with that, he has contrasted the flesh and the spirit, which you could say are two mindsets or worldviews, really. One believes salvation is only in all of God, while the other believes that salvation is this joint effort between God and man. And that's the teaching that was, that's brought division into the Galatian churches that Paul's been combating. And the, it's the first that he seeks to live by and to teach. So we've seen this division, this great divide between the two, if you will. The two different understandings or philosophies of how the Christian life is lived out, right? Grace or the way of the law. The Spirit or the flesh, the cross of Christ, or legalism, or the world, right? So do you believe that in your own strength, in your own power, by your own effort, you can somehow merit righteousness with God? That's the issue, that you can somehow perform for God in order to receive his blessings, right? Or do you have an understanding that you cannot do this yourself, Therefore, you're totally dependent upon the Spirit of God to do in you what you cannot do for yourself, right? And that's what, besides his, his apostleship and other things, that's the main point of this letter. So verse 11, he says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Seems a little out of sync with everything here. But it's common practice, first off, that letters that were written, they were written by dictation to scribes, right? The author would personally write only a few lines at the end of the letter. And usually these concluding lines uh, in the author, author's own hand would summarize the actual cardinal points of the letter. So Paul relied on a scribe. Right, And Paul's taken the pen at this moment from the scribe or the quill, whatever it was, and written out the last few lines of the text in his own hand. And he points out he's the one writing now. And his reason for this was to authenticate the letter and draw an attention to his, his conclusion. Plus, if this is just be, being read aloud to a great number of people, they may not all see the large letters that were written out. So it's being read aloud. 
And so then you get into the whole debate of why he's writing with such large letters. So uh, some believe that Paul suffered from poor eyesight. Uh, so his poor eyes required that he write very large. Others believe he wished to emphasize his point. All right. And the point being that since chapter since chapter five, all the way up to this point, Paul has shown the Galatians how they are to live as believers. This application point of the doctrine that he's laid out. Laid out. So beginning with the, the next verse through the end of the letter, he's going to summarize all of these points that he's written in the first four and a half chapters, though. All right. Not just from five up to this. So this ver verse serves as this transitional statement. All right, so little in these verses are, are new, it, it, but what's written is crucial. It closes Paul's letter with the essence of the, of the difference between Paul and the Judaizers. And obviously, there were no typewriters or highlighters or computers or anything like that to emphasize a point. So one would boldface the words or underline what they had written, right? So he either had poor eyes or he wrote what follows with large letters to inform the reader of the importance of what was written uh, as, well, as well to remind them of who was writing it. Verse 12, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they might not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. So the group refer to those here are the Judaizers once again. They're teaching Jesus plus this, that, the other, right? In essence, they said, said that what Christ started, we need to finish. We must finish this unfinished work of Jesus, right? So Paul, on the other hand, he preached a Jesus-only gospel. Another term for that is the justification by faith alone, apart from the works of the law. He taught that the way of salvation was by grace, grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. So he highlights their egos first here. And he, he says, those who are disturbing the church with teaching on circumcision and the law are simply looking for a way to show off their, uh, their flesh. And he means that these men sought to use legalism to prop up their own egos and they come into town, they teach the law and circumcision is required for Christians, and then they show off their own uh, piety under the law. In effect, they create their own game where the rules are rigged to favor them, right? <laughs> and their pursuits, which are fleshly. This was their motive, and it's twofold, to make a good showing in the flesh and to avoid being persecuted for pre preaching Christ. Okay? both of which were love of human praise and then fear of human opposition. If they were to preach Christ and grace in the proper way, they would face the same persecution Paul received. In this, this persecution, uh, this, it was at the hands of the Jews who hated to hear a message that invalidated their law. Okay, So to avoid that, they changed the message of the cross by adding back law and circumcision, okay? So there's a, there's a whole group that reject Christ, uh, all right? A, a whole group of Jews, but there's these, the Judaizers, they believe in Christ, 
But they're saying it's Jesus plus these things. We have to still hold on to these things, right? So they're adding back law and circumcision. That appeased the Jews that were persecuting or rejecting Christ, right? So Paul is now exposing them for what they are, and they're cowards. So to the Judaizers, the cross was offense because it was the cause of their persecution and suffering. To find one's salvation solely in the cross of Christ was like an abomination to them. It was so abominable to the unbelieving Jew that those who did believe were persecuted. So to avoid this, they played down the cross. They promoted circumcision. So the setting aside of the cross for circumcision enabled them to gain the praise of the Jews rather than the persecution which Paul and the other Christians experienced. So next, Paul points out their hypocrisy, exposing the inconsistency of the legalist by noting that the Judaizers do not really practice what they preach at all. While the Judaizers are not telling uh, the Gentiles to to uh, are, are are telling them. Actually, I said not right. While the Judaizers are telling the G Gentiles to be circumcised, they themselves are not keeping other parts of the Mosaic law. They're picking and choosing. Verse thirteen: For when those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they uh, that they may boast in your flesh. Right? Circumcision was only part of the law, right? We know this. But if these Galatians were going to use circumcision, then they were now obligated to also adhere to all the other law, right? Everything else. Dietary laws, keeping of certain holy days, making sure they kept themselves from uh, ceremonially unclean things and all that. And the list goes on and on. And we know James says if you break one, you break it all, Right? So Paul is referring to their selective use of the law. They kept the parts they liked, ignored the parts they didn't like, never mind the fact that no man can keep the law perfectly anyway. They weren't even trying, and they were hypocrites. They were, always have been hypocrites. They only wanted to brag about their ability to convince others to their way of thinking, right? So Paul now switches and he begins to talk about the right mindset. The one that boasts only in the cross of Christ by contrasting himself with the false teachers, the Judaizers, in verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So the word boast, it means to glory or praise. And it is not boasting as we think about boasting today, like bragging, bragging rights. Paul will glory in the shame of the cross, right? Remember, this is the worst way a person could be killed in those days, right? To be hung on a tree. It was a curse, right? The family would have been ashamed of that if someone in the family was executed that way. He's going to boast in the glory and the shame of the cross, that which is a shame and an embarrassment to so many in society was Paul's glory and the object of his praise. By the work of Christ, Paul says the word or the world was crucified to Paul, 
And he means that anything the world might offer to attract him, it died with Christ on the cross. And then he says that he was crucified to the world, meaning anything, uh, anything, and, and I know I just said that, but in Paul, that, that anything in him that might have wanted to please the world was, was also put to death. So, so anything the world might offer to attract him died with, with Christ on the cross. And anything in Paul that, that he might have wanted to please the world was put to death in Christ. So there's like by process of elimination, the only thing that remains is Paul living for Jesus. That's it. Being circumcised or not being circumcised doesn't matter. These things represent uh, Jew and Gentile. So Paul is saying within, within the church that being Jew or Gentile is nothing. None of that matters. The only thing that does matter is being a new crea- creation in Christ, which we all become by faith, right? That justification. That's the whole point of his letter. So when, when we talk of the cross of Christ here in our text, we're not talking simply about that wooden instrument of death which Christ was dealt to. The cross is also used for the atoning work of Christ. It refers to all that Christ accomplished as he died in our place on the cross. So when Paul says that he boasts in the cross, he's referring to the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Justification is a declarative uh, act where God declares righteous uh, whoever believes in Christ. He declares them righteous. Justification is not being made righteous experiment mentally right it's 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 being declared righteous sorry i'm stumbling (laughs) i lose my spot here it's not the removal of our liabilities it's the imputation of christ's righteousness it's not something done in us it's something that's done for us as well right you're you are justified People say, well, I'm still feeling like I messed up and all this and all that. Yeah, I know. But you're justified in the eyes of the Lord, (laughs) right? So Jesus, he took our sin, gave us his righteousness. And that's what took place at the cross. And for anyone to try to add to that with their good works, be it through circumcision or rules, they have made up to, to ensure or maintain our salvation is nothing short of blaspheming our God and calling his ability to save men into question, right? And don't think then for a moment that we can't add our own version of circumcision, all right? It's not just the physical circumcision, right? We can add our own version of that to the cross of Christ today. It happens all the time. There are many people who claim to be Christians who insist that unless you are water baptized, you cannot be saved. And the list goes on and on, right? So Paul says, there's nothing I have to boast about except the cross of Jesus. Grace takes all the boasting out because, or the bragging, you know, because I realize I didn't do anything. I failed. I didn't measure up, right? I was, I'm a sinner. 
And all I, all I have is what I received on the basis of grace. So I had to die to the world. That's what he's saying. Verse 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. So I've already said that sort of. But for the Jew prior to Christ coming into the world, circumcision was a sign. And it was a seal of belonging to God as one of his chosen people. That was the sign that was given to Abraham by God himself. But here Paul encapsulates clearly what salvation by grace is all about. That there are no conditions to our salvation. We are saved only if we are in Christ. And we are in Christ only if we are a new creation. Right? That's why I thought maybe we would talk about soteriology next week <clears throat> how can you enter christ do you have to be a new creation <laughs> to be in christ or do you get there first you know there's just weird tricky questions <laughs> could be wordplay some some but verse 16 and as for all uh, and as for all who walk by this rule peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. All right, the rule the rule ties directly to the pre previous verses. Paul has uh, no boat no boast except in into the the cross, right? He has nothing to boast in except for that. That is the rule of his life. There's only one walk that we are to walk, and that is the way of the cross, which is justification by faith alone. That's the rule we are to walk by. Those who walk by that rule, right, the rule of salvation by grace alone, have obtained mercy, and they are part of the Israel of God. All right? So I, I could just go and do a whole big thing on the Israel of God, but there's always been a faithful remnant of Israel of God, right? And those who are now in Christ through justification, they belong to Israel, the Israel of God. So Christians are the Israel of God. So there's no, there's no peace in trying to earn your way into heaven, right? Which is what adding the law to Christ's uh, work does, uh, that can't bring you peace. Some people think it's, you know, I'm a good person. Yeah, I think I've done enough good things. Hopefully I'll, I'll make it in, right? Uh, there's no really peace, though. I, I, they probably, if they dwell on that at night, they probably don't sleep very well because they have questions, but they don't want to talk about them probably. There's doubt and confusion there. It raises the question, how many good works are enough for me to actually get into heaven? And have I done enough? And will I have time to do enough? And should I do more? Or this? And like, and what, how, what is good? <laughs> the standard, though, God's standard for heaven is perfection, right? So the answer is always, I could never do enough. That's the point of God's mercy. He knows you can't do enough. Which is why he sent Christ into the world to do what we couldn't do. Keep the law perfectly and then die for the penalty of sin. As he then overcame the grave by raising bodily three days later. Peace and mercy be upon them. right? Just as Paul was willing to pronounce a curse on those who taught false doctrines all the way back in, in, in chapter 1, he is also willing to give a blessing to those who walk according to this, this rule. Peace and mercy there in 16. Verse 17, From now on, let no one cause me trouble. 
for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Now, there's some I read in some commentaries, people thought like, hey, we've settled this now. Don't cause me any more problems. That's what it sounds like. But it's not really that he he's asking the church to defend him in the face of the Judaizers attacks. Uh, and he's saying, let no one cause trouble for me. And what he's saying is that the church had a, rep- a responsibility to uphold their leaders and their reputation, not allowing, not allowing these people to undermine their authority like they'd had. Paul's defense for his request is to, to, to remind the church that his, his own body bore the marks of suffering that he received in the name of Christ. So he, he's saying, like, I've, I've defended my apostleship and all that. Like, don't let these outsiders cause these issues. Don't let them come and undermine what we have, have laid out. And so he says, I bear these marks, and and marks is from the word uh, stigma, right? It's a word that's used uh, of the marking of slaves' bodies uh, in the first century. And then slaves were branded with the name of their master. And Paul is saying that the scars of the things that he'd suffered for Christ are the brands which show him to be Christ's slave. In verse 18, the Christ of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers, Amen. So Paul ends on this positive note. Grace is as positive as it gets because grace from God is undeserved, uh, but is given nonetheless because he, he, he loves us, right? So it's grace from God from, from beginning to end. It's by his grace, not by works, that we are saved. We should get that by now. And the closing word, amen, it means truly or so be it or so let it be. So everything that Paul has written in this letter, as well as his loving concern for the Galatians, is absolutely true and it's totally trustworthy, which we all echo. Amen as well. Right. And that's Galatians. Is there any questions, comments, disagreements? <laughs>